0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. It is so good to be with you today. You have to know, I looked at the lessons and I thought, oh my gosh, let's see, I can talk about um, flogging, chains, imprisonment, stone to death, sawn in two, They were killed by the sword. I think I won't do that one. (laughs) For those who don't know me, I'm Rebecca McLean and was, once upon a time, Dean of Trinity Cathedral uh, here from 1995 to 2005. Some of you weren't even born then. I retired uh, two years ago, but uh, I'm still actively engaged In the way of Jesus, I'm still a pilgrim. And so, in fact, I discovered this last week a new spiritual center. I had no idea. Scottsdale Fashion Square. (laughs) Did you know there are now three sacred sites at Scottsdale Fashion Square? St. John's, All Saints, and True Religion. I have pictures. I'm telling you. This is our cultural idea of religion. Always look like a saint. Be a true believer in true religion genes. And, of course, there are many purveyors of eternal youth at origins skin just the way god intended i promise can you imagine you can shop and pray and i often do <laughs> so i i wonder maybe they need a chaplain I wouldn't have to have full-time pay. It would be okay. Okay, so, dear ones, I'm not sure that this is exactly what Jesus had in mind when he set his face toward Jerusalem. Honestly, it does make me wonder about this crazy world we live in. Who are we? What happens when merchandisers take our language, the language of our saints, the language of our values? The great cloud of witnesses are going to shop at all saints. It's just crazy. What do we value? Last week, Myra told us, about the gift we had been given, the gift of the kingdom of God. Jesus has offered us this gift. So what does it mean to you and to me? In this season of political chaos, global unrest, conspicuous consumption, we are here. We are here seeking a more excellent way, a better way of being in this world. Our Sunday readings from the Gospel of Luke have taken us back to the journey to Jerusalem. It seems we just barely got away from the amazing power of Pentecost when suddenly we're back here again. Back on the way to Jerusalem, walking with Jesus, walking to what he knows is certain death. Last time, during Lent, we only had six weeks to tell this whole story. But now, in this long, growing time of Pentecost, we have six months. The luxury of entering deeply into Luke's gospel. Luke, in his beautiful and elegant rendering of the good news of Jesus Christ, tells this part of the story as a conversation between Jesus and three groups. The disciples, their slogan, We're with him. The crowds, their agenda, Make Israel Great Again! And the authorities, those in positions of power and dominance, the eternal promise. Trust us. So we're on the way to Jerusalem with Jesus, the disciples, the crowds, the authorities. Listen to Luke. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem He gathered up his courage and steeled himself for this journey. Later, we will hear these words. Jesus set his his face like a flint. The tension is mounting, the hostility escalating. Herod and the authorities are already seeking a way to stop him. Jesus has already told his disciples twice, that he is going to his death. This is not news that they are willing to accept. And he walks. We know that he is neither naive nor driven by ego. But his followers, they must have been wondering, how is this going to end? I can imagine them saying along the way, does he have to attack the Pharisees every time he sees them? Does he have to offend the crowds who are gathered? They must have been anxious. Here is what we have heard so far. We have from the authorities the lawyer, seeking to test Jesus, And the response to the lawyer's question, Who is my neighbor? Jesus offers the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in a shocking reversal to that question, Who is my neighbor? The lawyer finds himself in a corner, skewered by the question posed by Jesus, Who was neighbor to the one who was left for dead? the encounter with the two disciples, the two women, Martha and Mary. In that encounter, we hear another reversal. When Jesus tells Martha that Mary has chosen the best part, sitting at the feet of Jesus is how she should be spending her time, not bustling in the kitchen. The disciples then come forward. They're watching Jesus pray, and they ask him to teach them. Teach us to pray, Jesus says, our Father. The crowd then comes back into the picture. Another question. Teacher, can you tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me? Another parable. Jesus is breaking open every concern and offers a different vision instead of a vision of abundant wealth. He offers a picture, a parable, that shows the cultural signs of success crumbling in the face of of existential reality. Forget building bigger barns. This very night, your life is required. The challenge to us, to the crowds, to the disciples, do you choose treasures for oneself? Or do you become rich in our relationship with God? And then again in this more private moment with the disciples, Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. But be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. In these stories, we find that there is a posture of being present ready, generous, and reflective. Jesus is calling us to a different way of life, a higher way of life. Being present, ready, generous, reflective. But there is more. A couple of stories that have been left out of this cycle but are important links to today's readings. As the crowds are beginning to swell, Jesus says to them, The mood of this age is all wrong. Everyone's looking for proof, but you're looking for the wrong kind. You're looking for something to titillate your curiosity. And we look around at our worlds and wonder, has anything changed? The mood of this age is all wrong. Everyone is looking for the wrong things. Looking at Scottsdale Fashion Square. But we are here. To the Pharisees, Jesus says, You're hopeless, you Pharisees, frauds, preening yourselves in the radiance of public flattery. Jesus continues to vigorously challenge these authorities and leaders. Luke tells us that when Jesus left the table, they went into a rage, plotting how they could trap him in something from his own mouth. And now, today, we find Jesus with the crowds again. He's lashing out. I've come to start a fire on this earth, how I wish it were blazing right now. I've come to change everything Turn everything right side up. How I long for it to be finished. Do you think I come to smooth things over and make everything nice? Do you hear angels saying peace on earth? Not so. I've come to disrupt and confront. From now on, when you find five in a house, it will be three against two and two against three, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against bride and bride against mother-in-law. And then he turns to the crowd and says, when you see clouds coming in from the east, you say a storm is coming. And you're right. You hypocrites. You frauds, before you, the very kingdom of God is being offered. Now is the time to make a decision to choose a life in God. Will we find an authentic life with God? Or will we continue down the path of deceit, desire, and the novel? It is so important for us to note and feel the power of this Jesus, to feel the authentic rage as he witnesses a world that is upside down, It is so important for us to recognize that this too is Jesus, not simply that meek and mild and gentle spirit, not simply the one who brings healing to the sick, but this voice too, so eloquently given to us through Luke's brilliant gospel. There is nothing meek and mild here. We find ourselves in awe and anxious. For we are a little anxious with this image of Jesus. And we Episcopalians who are so gracious and orderly and proper and gentle we become very uncomfortable with this language. Even today, we are tempted to move to a more comfortable vantage point, a safer place, a more theological place. Let's get some distance, distance from this angry, bold, and challenging teacher. I want to go back, back to Seminary, back to the place where we become masters in the art of conversation, moving into a more abstract perspective. We can discuss sin and redemption, restoration and salvation, incarnation and eschatological hope. Big words that keep us in our prefrontal cortex, keep us in that rational part of our mind. Why does Jesus have to activate this limbic system, this place where I feel so deeply, this place where I live with a spirit of anxiety, this place where angry feelings erupt? My professor, Dr. William Green, my theology professor, is my hero he took us down that historical progression beginning with theology at the beginning in those early days he then over 2 years four courses took us down that theological pathway to the 20th century a place where we could stay above the fray above the emotion and simply immerse ourselves in the intellectual exercise of understanding the nature of God. Dr. Green would present us with Origen or Tertullian or, or maybe Augustine, and he would teach us, and we would read, and we'd become enamored and say, oh my goodness, this guy's got it, he understands it. And then Bill would come into the classroom, and we never called him Bill to his face. He would... Rip this theologian to shreds. And then on to the next one. Oh my goodness, maybe it'll be better. Maybe Aquinas will be a better fit. Maybe we'll find something from the Protestants. Maybe Luther or Calvin. Maybe some of the Anglican divines. Let's find a better place. And we think we did. And we would study hard, and we took our test, and then Dr. Green would come in and rip them to shreds. Finally, we get to the 20th century, and I am so happy to be there. And process theology, oh, I love it. It's wonderful. I can live with this. It allows for the complexity, and it's beautiful. And then Dr. Green comes in. And he takes the process theologians apart. And he dismantles them. And we are weeping. We are like lambs to the slaughter. We cry out in despair. And I say, so what should we believe? And Dr. Green, who never smiles, looks at us over his horned-rimmed glasses, and says, Just Jesus. Just Jesus. The rest of this is play. Just Jesus. This Jesus who challenges, provokes, admonishes, berates, and meets us right where we are. And even in our failure to get him, he still stays the course. And he drags the whole lot of us to Jerusalem, the cross, the grave, and into glory. All of us, the disciples, the crowds, the authorities, all of us are swept up into this firestorm and drowned in the flood of his passion. This is not a journey to talk sense to those in power or to placate the crowds or even foster followers. This is not a ploy to seize the throne and restore the fortunes of Zion. The Son of Man, this human being, is on the way to the cross to pull it all down into the grave— He takes the whole failed system, disciples, crowds, authorities, all of us, to the cross through fire and water. The earth is scorched, and the drowning waters of baptism overwhelm us, and his profound love is poured out for us. He takes injustice, inequality, greed, exclusion, ego, self centered, and cruel exploitation of the least, the lost, the lonely, and the little, he takes it to the cross and redeems it for all eternity. And the last word, it is finished, unleashes the most liberating truth of God's creation. Resurrection, we shall rise. Out of the ashes, we shall rise. And those of us who trust this promise are set free. No longer are we citizens of this world. We are now res- residents of the kingdom of heaven and we hold these truths to be self-evident. Out of death comes life. Out of sacrifice, abundance. Out of compassion, joy. This gift of the kingdom, it is not a place. It is not a future destination. It is, in fact, just Jesus, that face of Jesus, the Anointed One, looking at us, holding the mirror to us, the Beloved, giving us the gift that we must give, that we must offer to the world even Scottsdale Fashion Square. For the gift that we offer is free. The price has already been paid, and it never goes out of style. Amen.